0: Let's have a word of prayer, and then we are going to dive into God's word here this morning. Father, what a privilege it is to be a part of what you're doing in the world. Lord, I pray that you would help us in these next few moments, that our hearts would be stirred, that we would embrace the reality that we have been sent in the world by you. Thank you for these dear families who are leading the way, who are serving as the tip of the gospel spear. I pray that we would send well. In the precious name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, if you've been around Gospel Hope very long, you know at the end of every one of our services, we say three little words, and they are, you are sent. That's right. You are sent. And today, we are celebrating Send Sunday. So what's the big deal? Why all the hubbub? Why do we talk about this idea of sending so much? So much so that every single service, we end with those words. You are sent. Well, that commitment to this idea is actually rooted in the words of Jesus in John chapter 20, verse number 21, where the Lord, speaking to his disciples, says this. As the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. The greatest sender of all time is God Himself. And the first missionary of all time is God himself, sending his son into the world to take his good news to the ends of the earth. And if now you are a follower of Jesus Christ, just as the Father has sent Jesus into the world to fulfill his mission, so now you and I, as followers of Jesus, have been sent into the world to carry out that mission. We say, you are sent to remind us of the theological reality that Jesus not only saves, but he sends. So often we shortchange the work of God in saving us. And we think that in some way, God sent his son to die on the cross and raise the dead for us in order to take us to heaven one day. As if that's the only means or the only ends of his saving work. Now certainly we are grateful that Christ's death and resurrection on behalf of sinners like you and I secures for us an eternal home in heaven, but that is far from all that Christ has done. Christ not only died to rescue us from the penalty of our sins, Christ died on the cross for us to give us purpose and meaning and significance in life. Perhaps an illustration will serve well on this. Any car guys here? Any car people in the house? Okay. Suppose you were driving home even after church today and you drove by some sort of abandoned field and back there tucked away, you saw some sort of classic car. You know, one of these that is really valuable when it's restored, but you went, you pulled the car over, you ran over there to the side of the road, you saw this car and you're like, ah, this is a whatever. And you're like, this thing is awesome. So you made the arrangements, you got the purchases and you brought this car home. You realize this car had been abandoned for quite some time. It's really in disrepair. Nothing works. Nothing is as it should be. And so you begin the meticulous process of restoration. You restore the engine. You restore the upholstery. You restore every single aspect of this car so that it is made like it should be, so that it is functional and ready to go. And it is a sweet ride. Now, if you did all that work, in restoring, in saving that car, so to speak, it would be very foolish of you to take that car back to that field, put it in park, and leave it. Abandoned once again to go into disrepair. Why? Because when you restored that car, when you rescued that car, you rescued it for a purpose. Namely, to drive it. Namely, so that they get, up, get get back on the road like it was intended to do. And here's the thing we need to recognize about our salvation. Look, we are not just saved from something. Namely, the penalty of our sins. Namely, the wrath of God. But we are saved for something. God did not just restore your life and rescue you and save you so that you would sit on the bench and collect dust. God restored you and saved you and lifted you up to give you purpose, to invite you into his work in the world. Part of the joy of being a follower of Jesus is that he has graciously invited us to participate in his great work of saving the world. You are sent. You're not just saved, you are sent by the Savior into the mission field, into the place where we are called to push back the darkness. But if we as a church and we as individuals are to really embrace this reality of being sent, there are two key principles that we must embrace in our hearts. I want to briefly share those with you this morning, just show you two short principles of sending. The first one is this, sending is risky. In John chapter 12, verse number 24, Jesus famously says these words, truly, truly, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. In our modern society, it can be easy for us to forget that agriculture is a risky business. You know, in some sense, farmers are great speculators. They take tremendous risk. You say, what do you mean by that, Ryan? We'll stop and think about it for just a moment. When you plant a seed in the ground, So you have some seed in your hand, grain in your hand. When you plant that seed in the ground, what are you doing? You are in one sense releasing sustenance that you already have in the hopes that it would provide more sustenance for you in the future. Isn't that what grain is? Grain is ultimately used for food, And here Paul is saying, or Jesus is saying, if you have a grain of wheat in your hand and you hang on to it, it's not going to do anything. But if you release that grain of wheat and it goes into the ground and it dies, it produces much fruit. In other words, it is a risky business when you release the seed that you have in your hand. Similarly, when we as a church seek to send out church planters, and workers in God's harvest fields, we must acknowledge very plainly that every time you send a seed, it costs you something. Right? Every time you release that seed, it is costing you something. It is costing you security. It is costing you relationships. It is costing you the certainty that you will have what you need tomorrow. It is saying, Lord, we are releasing this in the hope that it will bring greater fruit. But right now, this feels very risky. Sending is a risky business. Look, when we sent out Derek and Carrie to do ministry in the Middle East, we were not like excited, like, yay, rah. Let's get rid of these people. You know, when Manuel and Jenna went to Santa Domingo to plant a church, we were not like itching to get them out of Atlanta. Like, we hate you. Go. No. When when you send out people, it is a cost. Now, listen. There are some folks in here, if you want to go plant a church, we will send you tomorrow. We really will we are a little bit antsy to get rid of you, but others of you, right? No, listen, here's the idea. The people that go, the people that are willing to be sent, these are not the type of people that you enjoy losing, right? Because people that go and say, I'm gonna plant a church or I'm gonna give my life away overseas, these are disciple makers. These are servants. These are leaders. These are people that are committed to the mission of God. And so when you release them, it feels like a great risk. Evan and Laura have been very effective in leading the Tucker Community Group. Tucker Community Group, can I get a whoop-whoop? Whoop-whoop, okay. Maybe not that good of a job, Evan. It doesn't sound like they're too enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Has been doing an adequate job leading the Tucker Community Group. What are you... Is there a Tucker Community Group, or, yeah, okay, all right, there is, all right. And their leadership will be sorely missed. We'll miss them, we'll miss that leadership that they've provided. And though Joaquin and Megan are not leaving Gospel Hope, some of their energies will soon be focused on the Spanish congregation. So in a sense, there's a sense of loss there. Every time we send Every time somebody goes, we are in essence saying two things. We're saying, first of all, God, we trust you with this dear family. They are in your hands. And we're also saying, God, we trust you about our future. Because we're not sure what we're going to do without them in one sense. Both of those statements are true. When you send, you are saying, God, we are placing ourselves in your hands. This feels risky, but we want to engage in it because it is what we are called to do. In one sense, every time somebody goes out of Gospel Hope Church, sending like sewing is an act of faith. You're saying, I hope, I hope, I hope. God, I trust, I trust. I trust your ways are best, your plans are best. We trust you. So, we need to embrace this reality if we're going to be a sending church that sending is risky. Today, as we commission these folks, essentially our heart's cry should be like this open hands, God, we trust you. We trust you. We don't know what you're going to do, but we trust you. Second principle that we have to embrace if we're going to be a sending church is this. Sending is not only risky, but sending is rewarding. Thus far, I've basically given you the bad news of sending. Hey, it's risky. It costs. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Look at what it says in John 12, verse 24 again. Truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it remains produces much fruit. Yes, letting go. Yes, sending out certainly is costly in the moment, but in the long run, it pays great dividends. Sending is a risk, to be sure, but sending is a rewarding risk. It's risky business, but it is a rewarding risk. In the church, there is an impulse oftentimes to try to hang on to your best and brightest. To kind of gather in a holy huddle and enjoy the sweet fellowship that the Lord has given us. And although there's an aspect to that that is good and right, we should love our people. There's no question about that. But in another sense, this desire to hang on, to not let go, to have closed fists instead of open hands, is counterproductive to the mission of God. Here's why. Do you know that in the world right now, 40% of its population, 3.23 billion people, live in unreached people groups? These are not just people that don't know the gospel or haven't been saved. That's not the number that I'm sharing with you right now. An unreached people group is people who have little to no access to the gospel in, other w- in all. In other words, if no one is sent to them, they will not only not be saved... They will not even ever hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must send because the need is astounding. Metro Atlanta, come a little closer to home right now, is slated to grow by 3 million people in the next 30 years. That means Atlanta is Chicago-sized by about 2050. I I know some of you are like getting cold sweats about the traffic right now. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. It's just what the stats say. Here's the thing. Here's what that means, though. The average ratio of population to church that's ideal is about one church for every 1,000 people in population. That's a good number. So, just to keep up with population growth, mathematicians out there, 3 million new people, that means we need to plant roughly 3,000 new churches in the next 30 years. The need is astounding. And that's not even counting all the churches that are closing because of COVID. We need to plant churches like crazy. You know what else is true? New churches are about six to eight times more effective in reaching new people than existing ones. Not six to eight percent. It's not what I said. Six to eight times. 600 to 800 times more effective in reaching new and unchurched, dechurched people than existing churches. So what does it mean? Man, if we have any hope of reaching our city and reaching our world, we have to be about the business of planting new churches. As theologian and pastor Tim Keller put it, the vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for the numeric growth of the body of Christ in a city and the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. I would love to unpack that, but I'm not going to look at this next phrase. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, Parachurch church ministries, growing megachurches, congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. Last statement, and this is the kicker. This is an eyebrow-raising statement, but to those who have done any study at all, it is not even controversial. We've got to plant churches. We've got to send people. So perhaps we need to adopt a new metric. As Pastor J.D. Greer suggests, perhaps we need to value sending capacity greater than seating capacity. We need to be about the business of sending. As um, many of you know, Trisha and I were able to be down in the Dominican Republic and celebrate the launch of Ciudad de Gracia our church there in Santo Domingo that we sent out, and what a joyful experience that was. It was amazing and life-giving and one of the most gratifying experiences of my ministry life. But it was not just that day that was so exciting to me. It was what that day in one sense meant. So let's do a little hypothetical mathematics here together to help us get our brains around that. Let's pretend Let's pretend, Pastor Rod, if you could stand up, very good. Let's pretend, the first row here, and let's get one more. Robert, I'm gonna swing you over here in just a minute, Christian. Let's suppose this represents the current size of Gospel Hope Church. You know, we're almost five years old, and this is roughly the size we are, okay? And um, let's do this. So Christian, come on over here, okay? Joaquin, stand up. Yeah, he's being disciplined. No, come over on this side. So let's suppose in that five years, um, we're we're seeking to plant churches, which we have. So we're grateful to have planted Pastor Manuel, who wants to be a stand-in for, Evan, you be a stand-in for Pastor Manuel right now. Okay, we've planted Ciudad de Gracia, we're about to plant Gospel Hope, and we are partnering here with Morningside Baptist. So in that time, three churches. All right, now let's say by God's grace, um, Gospel Hope continues to grow. And in about five years times, we double. We double. That'd be great. That'd be great. So, Gavins, could you guys all stand up? So, here's the number of people worshiping at Gospel Hope. Okay, so got it? I mean, this is encouraging. We've doubled in size. But let's say at the same time, these churches that we've planted also double. So, you guys recruit someone. Someone, Megan, uh, okay. Peyton, you joined Christian's church. I'm trying to get rid of you anyway. Yeah, so... Okay, all right, very good. So these churches double. Well, Evan's like tripled. That's amazing. Wow, you're very godly. Uh, And let's also suppose in their first five years, let's say they plan a church. So if you guys could just, you know, select one more church planner to stand up. One more, one more. Okay, there's one more. Look like a church planner. Everybody's a church planner, folks. Everybody's a church planner. Your potential. Okay, very good, very good. All right, let's not get carried away. Evan's always building the mega church over here. this amazing. So here we are, here we are, um, and let's say by God's grace, in the next five years, the same thing happens here at Gospel Hope. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be great growth? Okay, so we need eight more people. Okay, one, two, barbers, you're almost all of them, four, okay, five, yeah, courier six, seven, eight, that's it, good. Well, we grew a little more, more. that's awesome, okay. Uh, Eugene, you're stubborn and stiff-necked in the Lord. No, stay, stay right there. But let's suppose, in the same time, these churches do that, too. Okay, so, double, folks. Okay, do you see what's starting to happen here? In short order, even if God gives us an amazing growth trajectory, which he has, if we plant churches, what's going to happen? There will be more people worshiping outside of gospel hope that we have sent out than those worshiping inside gospel hope. And guess what? Glory to God. My desire is that in very short time, there are more people worshiping the Lord in Santa Domingo and right here in Decatur among the Latino community, and over in Midtown at Morningside than there are in this room right now. Wouldn't that be a better feather in our gospel hat than just having a big church? Let's be about the mission of God and making disciples. You guys can sit down. Look, here is the simple principle. Multiplication beats addition every single time multiplication beats addition every single time. And the implication is simply this. We have to be about sending. But here's the thing. Ready? To reap the harvest, you gotta sow the seed. To reap the harvest, you gotta sow the seed. There's a cost. The payoff is great, but the cost is high too. The payoff is better, but that is what Christ in. in, calls us to engage in, to be about multiplication even more than addition. So where does this leave us? I hope we will all leave today with a clear vision of the church. It's not just a place that's about us, but a place that's about sending. You know, sometimes um, we can think of the church as a cruise ship. You know, why does a cruise ship exist? You get on a cruise ship to have your desires met, to have your needs catered to, to have everything as you like it. The primary reason for a cruise ship is the comfort of its passengers. How many of you have been on a cruise? Repent, repent, no. But sometimes we treat the church that way, right? So all of a sudden, the success of the church is based on whether or not I'm happy. Does it have the programs I want? Are the sermons good enough for me? Is the music what I like? When people think of the church in this way, church becomes about my preferences more than Christ's mission. And I think we all instinctively know that this is not a proper model for the church. The church is not a cruise ship. It's not about getting my comfort and getting my preferences. It's not about having my 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 is scratched. Is that the right itches scratched? Scratches itched. Itches scratched. There's gotta be something more. So others have conceptualized the church more like a battleship. Oh, that's certainly better. The primary purpose of a battleship is to engage the enemy. And this is an improvement as churches are called by God to storm the gates of hell. However, the problem with the model of a battleship is that it places too much emphasis on the church organization owning the mission. It it functions as a unit in one sense. So whatever the captain, the commander, the pastors, as it will, they're the ones primarily responsible for the mission of the church. We give the orders. We fire the guns. I think that's a better model than the cruise ship but I would suggest a third possibility. I would argue we should all think of the church like an aircraft carrier. In this way, the Sunday gathering, all our various ministries are places where you get gathered together, equipped, trained, fueled up, as it were, and then the fighter pilots take the fight to the enemy. You are sent out to engage the world, whether it's across the street or around the globe, God calls us as a church to gather together, to be filled up, to be equipped, so that we can be sent out on mission for him. The job, the mission of the church does not belong to Pastor Rod and I, it belongs to all of us, because as the Father sent Jesus in the world, so he has sent all of us in the world to be his ambassadors, to be salt, to be light, to be disciple-makers, carrying the greatest message from the greatest king to all the dark places that are all around us. May God empower Gospel Hope Church to not be a cruise ship, to not be a battleship, but to be an aircraft carrier where we send our best and brightest, as much as it may cost us, to the ends of the world to take the greatest message to the greatest need for the greatest salvation that has ever been purchased. God may not be calling you to cross an ocean or to plant a church. Now, he may, he may. But God has invited all of us into this great mission. May it be true of every member of the Gospel Hope family that we truly are sent. As a church, as a church, let's embrace this reality. We send and we are sent. Both of those things are true. May we be a church that doesn't leave the mission of God to the professional, the professional Christians. But every one of us has embraced fully what Christ is calling us to do. So gospel hope, let's live it. Let's not just let it be a catchy phrase, but can you embrace that reality with me? You are what? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and for your goodness. And I pray that you would work in our hearts. Help us to live sent. Help us not to be just something that we say, but something that we live. We embrace that reality fully. Thank you for the work of Jesus. Thank you for sending him to us. In the precious name of Christ, we pray. Amen.